are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse, short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. I am super excited to announce that I will be launching a Kickstarter project for the self-publication of The Dark Verse Volume 4 hardcover book on October 8th. 2017, the 10-year anniversary of this podcast, The Dark Verse. I have already released the cover artwork for the new book, and I have just released the t-shirt artwork for the t-shirt that will also be available in the project, and you can see that artwork that John F. Stifter did on the Dark Verse Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Dark Verse. I will be releasing more artwork and more uh, things that will be available in the project as we get closer to the launch date. Now, making my way towards the story in this episode, I just want to share real fast as an introduction that I took part in the Master Cleanse. I'll let you go ahead and Google that if you don't know what it is, but I took part in that and it was a great experience of self-discipline. And so I was inspired by that to write about a more transformational cleanse that would fit into the dark verse. And so that's what guided this story. This is episode 110 of the dark verse and it is entitled the Numinal cleanse. I was a lonely man, an outcast. I did not and could not enjoy small talk or friendly hellos with the people that intertwined with my daily activities. If even I were to offer money to the homeless, they would not take it from me. The reason was a perfect trifecta of parts, one part due to half my face and left eye looking like a caved-in pie, one part due to my visceral, ultra-violent apparel and brash scampering in a black wheelchair with a lifeless lower body, and the last part due to my personality being uglier than the first two parts. I used my disfigurement and disability to frighten, harass, and even bully. It was my way of making an impression in the world. It was my way of feeling alive. I set out daily to make others feel an ugliness within, akin to the ugliness I exuded outwardly, and I succeeded with ease. Whether shock, bitterness, or anger, I fed off of the reactions I prompted. 
Animosity among strangers was much easier to harness and to accept than one friendship with an individual who could not look me straight in the face. I treated my family no differently, although they were strangers to me all the same. I lived alone in a small apartment, surviving off of supplemental security income. I rarely spent money beyond food, living necessities, and grotesque graphic t-shirts. I had little furniture, a small television set, and a smattering of books and magazines. Most of my time was spent wandering the streets, getting into what verbal trouble I could with the locals or those passing by. This was my entertainment. As a special indulgence, I went to the movies purely to shout commentary at the screen and disrupt the viewing experiences of my fellow moviegoers. My grandest disturbances, however, were my interruptions in churches, synagogues, and mosques. I received an exceptional joy in shouting, You're all going to hell! as I sped quickly between pews or down halls. I was frequently cast out of establishments, but very rarely were the police involved, at which point I faced some charges of disturbing the peace. The worst I ever received was a small fine, a fee I would have gladly extended in repetition to enjoy such amusements. It was not until I faced a dose of vengeance that my life deviated, opening onto an unexpected horizon. One evening, I had wheeled myself in front of an oncoming vehicle ahead of a designated crosswalk, as I often did to elicit ill will. But on this occurrence, I had infracted the wrong citizen. A bald, bearded man sprung from his skidding automobile with a bat in hand and laid into me without remorse, harboring a wickedness that surpassed even the vastness of my own malice. There on the dark concrete, amongst crimson bouquets, I lay nearly dead, a portrait of unsightliness reaching its pinnacle of effect. Under a steady stream of warm water falling upon my disheveled body, I came to upon the tiled floor of a large walk-in shower with my shirt removed. An olive-skinned, middle-aged woman wearing a long purple and red sari-like skirt and a low-cut black blouse soothingly sponged my wounds. Her dark hair was tied up in a red scarf and a gold coin necklace fell around her neck. There are injuries upon you I cannot treat, but I am not without remedy, she spoke softly, touching the deformed side of my face. How'd I get here? I asked, brushing her hand aside. My brothers carried you, the woman said, standing from her squat. There is a better place for you, one where you belong. I don't want to belong, I quickly responded. In the end, we all belong somewhere, whether to the earth or to the sky. The woman placed upon the tile beside me a glass bottle the shape of a genderless figure with thick black fluid within. You have two choices. You can do nothing and perish here in the shower, or you can drink this. What is it? I asked while noticing that not once had the woman averted her eyes from my appearance. She stared at me, intently, intensely, earnestly. A future. 
the woman said before placing a large rectangular mirror against one of the walls of the shower in a position that reflected back at my afflicted condition. Get that out of here, I shouted, waving my hand at the mirror, gesturing for it to be removed as if it were a plague upon my soul. Drink the elixir, the woman said as she left the bathroom. Don't leave me here, I yelled, the water from the shower still falling on me. Come back! My pleas went unanswered. For as long as I could manage, I avoided looking at myself in the mirror, but on one of the passes, my eyes stuck. I stared at myself for a long time. I stared until I saw who I was, a truth I had avoided my whole life. The fragility, the wretchedness, the inadequateness. I was the embodiment of a breathing carcass. There was nothing of me I was proud of or anyone else would be proud of. I was a disease. Struggling to find strength, I pried the cork stopper from the top of the glass bottle. I pressed its orifice to my lips and drank. The fluid entered my mouth as if it maintained the figure of the bottle, as if a small bean slid into my throat. Then, like thorn stems of a rose bush, the liquid scoured down my esophagus, ripping flesh in a way only a failed sword swallower could. And when the potion hit my stomach, it was like a thousand barbed whips striking every surface available for torment. Even then, the elixir did not cease. It entered my intestines like snakes, biting and numbing as if with poison as they slithered. And then I felt it enter my bowels, at which point there was no delay in the liquid discharging, without control, from my backside. Upon the completion of this journey of terrific agony, my system began to eviscerate its inner contents in splatters of carnal filth that had been warped into metallic-like shards. The excretions clanked and cracked as they ripped through my pants and hit the surface of the shower floor. Unlike with the passing of the potion, there was no pain. It was the opposite. It was liberating. My ears began to ring, and inwardly, as if from the reverberations of my whole body in the aftermath of the expunging elixir, a melody sprung forth on the tips of an arcane voice. When you find yourself in the mirror sky, at the crossroads of being with the reins of death in your hands held tight, when you find yourself in the mirrored fire, in the mercy of change with your soul undone at the final rite. There you embrace, there you deface, there you sway grace from the other side. This is your take, this is your fate, this is your place in the underside. I scratched at the skin of one of my arms and it flaked off in painless, brittle sheets. I did the same then to my face, ripping away my malformed flesh in euphoric heaps. But it was not just my outer tissue that came free. Cartilage, too, cracked and fell away under the action, leaving my ears and nose amongst the debris. Where these pieces yielded, smooth, polished, elastic black membrane remained. The strangest shedding was that of my genitals. They serially detached, 
creating the most bizarre sensation of anoetic satisfaction. It was a powerful departure from the slavery of animality into a profoundness of simplicity. It was a welcome transition as if it were always meant to happen, as if it were a normal and expected transcendence along the annals of life. Then my eyes came out, crumbling in my hands, then my tongue freed, followed by my jaw and mouth, my hair and digits broke off, and my neck gave way, blending my head into my body. Perception became a dimensional fluidity upon the gelatinous vibrations of my new bodily foundation. I sensed things rather than saw them. In a way I tasted them as if the entirety of myself transformed into a filter of reality. This alteration was not an inward cleansing, it was an outward shedding, a letting of what was hidden within see the light and rule the living. Flesh was the impediment, a restriction on the frontiers of life. Its purge allowed true existence to flourish. In my new form, I was nearly one-thirtieth of my previous size. The scraps of my obsolete body lay around me as an outlandish amalgamation of torn flesh, pulpy tissue, and strange shattered metal. I was a refined specimen, an entity existing as only its most basic source energy in minimal physical form. The mirror was no longer a hindrance, nor was it even noticeable, its reflections negligible. I perceived the world in one dimension, a flat blanket of absorption. Whether a star or a window, each to me were the same distance, observable, attainable, cognizable. Within the same scope, so too did words and language meet mathematics, and physics and chemistry meet emotion, all branches of knowledge blended into a universal stream. The woman re-entered the room. Sharitzlin Nedlergrar, she said as she walked over to me. Against my will, I was compelled to movement by the words and my revolutionary becoming, the awe and inspiration of everything newly learned, was abducted from me. In compliance with the command, I slid into the now empty elixir bottle like a genie would enter its lamp. The imprisonment was devastating, a horror on all levels of materialization, like a bird that just learned to fly only to have its wings cleaved from its body. I was maimed not only physically, but to a spiritual depth that was in violation of all that had become novel truth. Once contained, the woman located the stopper and closed the bottle, and then took me out of the bathroom with her. My senses vanished. All became silent. The next fathomable moment was of me sliding out of the bottle into the throat of the next succumbing participant in the occult agenda of the mysterious woman and her family. Upon this freedom, I lashed out in mind and matter in every direction to flex my senses. I hacked and clawed and tore and ripped and sliced and shred as I plummeted further down into the person. With my actions, I propelled myself through each next opening until I excreted from the nether final outlet of the host. Upon the expulsion, my essence dimensionally transcended and the residuals of my physical remains evaporated. I was cast from the current existence into another.
You have completed the Numinal Cleanse. A hidden voice spoke as I appeared in a place where choirs of unseen entities with a vast range of tones sang in the distance. There were innumerable songs that overlapped, but did not disrupt one another, somehow converging together into a monumental cascade of eerie yet triumphant sound. You are now separated from the dissonance of experience. You will now simply be. You cannot speak. You cannot move. You cannot see yourself or interact with others. You will just be here in this realm forever. It is an infinite future without pain and suffering. It is not anyone else's future. It is your future. The voice then ceased and never recurred, prohibiting me from ever learning who or what it was. Sight emanated from my place of being in all directions without a need to pivot or focus. I looked out upon a spiritual cloud domain of colors, within each pigment of ethereal cloud, of which trillions comprised, a vision of a world was viewable. I could see many at once or limit my viewing to only a few. There were endless places, entities, and things to see. Visions of beauty, visions of wonder, visions of power, visions of conversations, visions of intimacy, and visions of conflict, from immense intergalactic wars to personal disputes. As the potential of this existence reached my understanding, I settled into it fully, and amongst the throng of visual possibilities, I found my treasure of this eternity. Endless events of trivial and foolish mischievousness. Above all learning, above all emotional quests, it was those petty actions and preposterous pranks, resistances against commonality and mocking rebellions against establishments that gave me uncanny gratification. In this realm, as the immortal voyeur, I found unending amusement and a joy that never perished. Loneliness was no longer a curse or impediment, it was a blessing and it became my forever. That concludes episode 110 of The Dark Verse. You can download and listen to all of the past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and a number of other sources. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you have time, please give The Dark Verse podcast a rating on iTunes or on one of the other mediums. I would greatly appreciate it. Have a great September, and don't forget to check out those things that I've released so far for the upcoming Kickstarter project for the Darkverse Volume 4 hardcover book. You can see what I've put out on the Darkverse Facebook page. The cover of the book and the t-shirt artwork have been released so far, and more will be released on the way towards that October 8th, 2017 launch date. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.